When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'll take it. <laughs> playwrights have had it too good for too long. That's what I have always said is that playwrights are overpaid, overrecognized. They've got too much James, James respect within society. James Mike. Uh, Get more RPG tabletop. <laughs> crunchy numbers inside of these spaces please yeah there's a surprising yeah. amount of interesting discussion about the overlap of those two things is, yeah. uh... All right. Um, I, I realize I did just uh, set up this segue to um, this this planning scene, but I, I think before we do, especially because we're taking time to introduce the Uhuru a little bit, I, I think we see little vignettes around the ship mm-hmm. of people working. These are people like checking lines. Uh, these are people... Uh, Tending to cargo. Uh, these are people, you know, swabbing the decks. Um, I what I want to focus on here is yes, all of these people have uh, longer hair than usual, are scraggly, but this is also kind of a period of downtime mm-hmm. where there is not a storm currently. What the ship needs to do is maintain a specific course as long as it can to get to the next leg. Mm-hmm. And also we are passing over the ocean. So a question I have for each of you, passing over the ocean because the waters are cursed, people have superstitions um, Mm. that come from their various home ports or get picked up along the way as people travel through the sky over what you are supposed to do to protect yourself from the mariner's influence while you sail over the ocean. So I want to know visually from each of you, what is one little thing uh, that people do to protect themselves from the ocean while they fly over it? What's one little superstition? I think that Hmm. there is a, um, I want to say that like people are just, I don't know, it's like sometime in the past it became more established that like if you are over like water, like you whisper if you are if you're above deck like you whisper because if you're too loud then the the sea might hear you the mariner might hear you that like that's just like a slippery slope um and so i think there's like a lot of people that everyone is when they're above or they're on the top deck everyone's talking in hushed tones and there's like a lot way more like hand covering the mouth when Mm. speaking to someone like that you that's nearby 
And probably a lot of hand yeah, sign, too. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. People just above deck, like, if they're talking, they are doing it through a sign language. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Uh, I love that. The uh, the ocean should not cover more than 50% of your view. Oh. Uh, meaning, like, looking down, bad idea. Oh. Uh, generally looking into open ocean, well, you best make sure that it's not taking up too much of your line of sight. Um, you know, you, you don't want it to consume your vision. Uh, is 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 the is the idea. So there's a lot of people who maybe kind of overcorrect and are looking up it's a like lot a of the times. So they're <laughs> definitely not looking at the ocean. <laughs> I feel like there's Yeah. Uh, Ooh, I I like that a lot. Um especially the idea there we we do we have established a superstition uh that is taken from an old Viking superstition that Sailing, you are supposed to keep the shoreline within sight if at any point you are sailing and the horizon all around you is ocean. Mm. Like, that is where the bad stuff really starts. Mm. If mm-hmm. you can see the land, you can, it, it, things are kind of okay, like dangerous, but kind of okay. But when you're all you see is ocean on the horizon, it's bad news. So, like, yeah, people looking up and whatnot makes total sense, which is difficult on a skyship mm-hmm. because if you're looking for land, mm-hmm. you are you also, like, you're, you're casting your vision about mm-hmm. a little bit. And there's a degree, I think, there are people who, because there's people whose specific job it is to kind of do that, they are almost taking on the ill luck to take it off other people's backs you know there's like the people who are being very self-sacrificing who are doing the looking for the land because they realize it's putting themselves at karmic risk i feel like when Mm -hmm. uh like to honor that they usually get like when they're they get like a little bit more food in their uh Mm -hmm. during Mm -hmm. like like after their shifts as like a thank you from the kitchen you gotta be nice to them they're taking on the bad luck for you yeah 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 I think that there is a sort of battle of wills about a particular tradition that is very old, that older members of the crew, what you used to do, you used to lay dirt down on the deck because Mm -hmm. it was, oh, we are bringing the earth with us. Mm -hmm. We are, uh, we are always in contact with the earth and uh, spray, not even a full layer, but just spreading dirt on the deck. (laughs) And as time went on, this is directly at odds with hygiene and the the physical safety of crew members. I just point out they're swabbing the decks. Yeah, they're, they they swab the decks, and so there's a real battle of wills of uh, old people just constantly throwing dirt on the decks, and these kids coming up behind them saying, "No, stop it." <laughs> Just we gotta clean. Somebody pushing a mop along the wood, and somebody immediately behind them just scattering yes. additional dirt, entirely undoing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there is a Tom and Jerry ass cat and mm-hmm. mouse game going on between Spit and Jane right now. <laughs> yeah. um, where Spit, the oldest member of the Uhuru crew, who looks like uh, a cross between a prospector and a decrepit monkey skeleton, um, <laughs> what a description! Is <laughs> just like tossing dirt out as surreptitiously as he can everywhere, and Jane is trying to maintain a clean and orderly deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jane, being one of the, the the newer, younger members of the crew, um, 
is a woman in her like uh, later 20s, um, but she's got like sharp eyes and a very serious, uh, no nonsense attitude. She is just moving across this deck, trying to target areas where, where, where dirt is and spit is like just one step ahead, uh, uh, placing dirt that he seems to have an infinite amount of. Where could he uh, possibly he have gotten it all? <laughs> we're we're gonna do inventory i'm going to find it i'm gonna find the source of it and stamp it out um and i think the tradition that i want to create i want to turn to is you brought up this idea of somebody whose job it is to to look at the horizon like the the person who's up in the crow's nest like watching that horizon line uh the idea that if they have to look at the ocean, they are in more danger than everyone else. I think there is a twofold thing happening here. We know that mariner's marks appear on the palm of your hand. That is where they start. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there is like kind of a ritual uh, that people perform to prepare somebody uh, for a shift of uh, watching the horizon where their hands are decorated with ink uh, by various crew members mm. where those crew members will like uh, either draw designs with ink or, or, or write messages about how that person is loved and valued and like their bravery is loved and valued. And like I, I think it is this moment where like a crew member will be surrounded by like three or four other people who are – these aren't tattoos but who are like marking them with like serious and appreciative messages of the crew. The idea that like if the mariner tries to find you, they will have to go through all of the people who love and depend on you mm. first. Um, so it's this like kind of sweet and touching thing that these very gruff pirates do. Maybe not all of them will verbally say these things out loud to each mm. other, but like there'll be a moment after you have been prepared when you are on your watch, when you are contemplating the fact that you have to spend so much time looking at the ocean where you look down at your hand and you see a sentiment that a friend that you've had for years mm -hmm. has left you with in that moment to, to bolster you a little bit. So yeah, there's this almost like grim sleepover energy <laughs> of uh, these, these hardened pirates just like standing around a, a friend of theirs uh, you know, seeing to and decorating their skin. Mm -hmm. So we pass over all of these moments of, of this crew at a time of like long tension. It is not overly heavy, but it still weighs with everyone when they are just doing everything they can. And this is on the heels of escaping the forest, which carried a similar note to it. There is just an energy that is throughout the crew and throughout the ship. And we find the captain's council together again to lay down plans for the Uhuru's next move. Are we all settled? Uh, yeah. Uh, Spit kind of threw some dirt in my face by accident as I was heading down. Uh, but I think, do I have dirt in my hair? Please tell me if I do. 
You you don't, you're fine. Although All you right. do have a... And he kind of pulls out a, a surprisingly flouncy handkerchief, you know, the kind that's a bit laced Ooh, around nice. the edges. Um, you you have some on the, on the side of your face a little bit, though. No, that, uh, that's, that's just my mustache. That's my oh. mustache. Oh, it looks so good. Thank you, Gable. <laughs> Thank you, Gable. He, 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 Giant leans out into the hallway. Thank you, Gable, for commenting on my stash. Yeah. Yeah, it it's looks- this whole thing, you know, you know, you know how these things go. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. It looks very um, there. Uh-huh. Oh, is <laughs> large and in charge, this mustache. Yep, 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 uh-huh. Large and in charge. And I love when people make choices. <laughs> well, sometimes it's a choice, sometimes it's a, it's a gift, Gable. Yeah. And this yeah. one is uh-huh. right there, square in between. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I suppose, Gable, you're a, a little more used to... Um, Having a style and sticking with it in perpetuity. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's a lot easier for people to just be like a cartoon character. If you always wear the same thing and have the same hairstyle. Color palette. More easily track changes mm. if they are stark or different. And that says a lot. That's a little shorthand for your emotional state. So you don't need to tell them. I, I once heard that... Um, because of the way that our uh, bodies grow and die and are replaced, we mm-hmm. fully become a new person every seven years. But mm. uh, I don't know if that really applied to you or to Travis, and it probably didn't apply to me. Now let's see. Yeah, you do. <laughs> he had new allergies every day, <laughs> so he he shed all of his cells every day. So some, uh, maybe he, I'm realizing now he lied to me. I'm (laughs) saying it out loud. And I think that's just him not wanting to try my shellfish dish. Mm. Well, I've learned something today. (laughs) I I, I guess for for Travis Matigo, he literally became a new person every day and yet decided to be the same person as always. People do active, make choices. Active choices, mm-hmm. active mm-hmm. choices mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, but enough about reminiscing of people who frustrate us to no end. Um, how about some other people that have, I suppose, have frustrated at least me for a very long while and what we can do about it? Yeah. I am curious. I don't believe I've asked in quite a while and uh, my memory must be hazy, but Gable, did you actually have much of an interaction with the Red Feathers before us? I'm, I'm this is Liz searching her mind. You can just make it up, yeah, I guess. I could draw a luminary for you because I, I don't know if this answer is if this has been answered specifically. Yeah. You did have trouble with the church, yes. but I don't think we've established specific mm. trouble with the feathers. I mean in the sense of Tiberius being a guy that we This is true. I, I guess I I, I I I think I phrased the question in a before before your time with me. So uh yes. yeah. If you like I can I can draw a luminary list. Please go off of that. Please do. All right. The one that I got for you is the soldiers. Oh. Death, deception, and memory. Oh. 
Um, the soldiers kind of uh, represent poor, unfortunate souls uh, who are sent off to tragically fight battles on behalf of forces that do not care for them um, whatsoever. Uh, so I feel like there are a lot of different ways that you could take that. I think I've got this. Uh, so first of all, Gable sticks their hand out the window and brings out beaks mm-hmm. from <laughs> from Wendell's beard. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry I'm babysitting right now. Well, <laughs> so it puts the, the bird on their shoulder. We, my interactions with the Red Feathers are what I would say typical of, you know, my various careers. Quite. What is interesting is during my period, I've told you all that uh, we, uh, there was a period in my life where I was a mercenary for hire. Hmm. Many of my clients were Red Feather officers targeting each other. Hmm. A lot of social climbing and hierarchy climbing, and uh, it's a very, very vicious hierarchy. And for many of those individuals, they would rather eliminate their competition entirely than even try to fight. So that is the extent of my connection to them, former former clients, essentially, but... Uh, you know, that's, still evil. That's fascinating. No. I, did you happen to go under a different name during that period of time? Oh, many. Oh, gosh. There was uh, Ramona, mm. Beezus, <laughs> Judy, Bloom. What other, what other names were there? I, for a short time, I went by the Terrifier, which is a bit on the nose. <laughs> the Terrifier, uh, a little bit too explicit. Uh, I, I really. What did I end up with them? What was my go-to that they would still remember? Probably just Thomas. Thomas was the the last name I, I went by with them. Okay, uh, I went by tried Thomas the Terrifier, but it was still too on too the too on the nose. Yeah, uh, if you wouldn't mind putting a pin in that, that's interesting. Yeah. Jonet Kessler, I uh, know that the Red Feathers did visit your hometown while we were visiting in a bid to go and steal Griffin Feed. Um, but had you had much of a, an encounter with them prior to uh, your life with us? Um, it was mainly it was mainly them trying to get a hold of the Kessler recipe. Um, but if it helps, the it was usually the same crew that would try over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to get uh, the, do we have a, sh- do we have a ship named the backdraft? <laughs> I don't think so. Great. Um, it was the, the, the ship named the, the, the backdraft crew. Um, and it was uh, headed up by Jameson Andrews mm-hmm. um, was the, the captain of the backdraft. Um, I mean, I know, I know he's probably moved on to, to bigger things, but he would, he was, that was his play to, to Gable's point. I think he was probably trying to like climb the ladder by snagging the, the recipe, but I don't know. He may, he may never, he, he never got it. So maybe he never moved up. Like red crabs in a bucket that would rather pull down their uh, compatriots than let any of them leave. 
Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much. In uh, <laughs> I would say that in in an alternate uh, future, maybe I could have considered a a life of uh, poetry and rambling across these uh, picturesque hills instead of uh, piracy. Although I think the latter I'm better suited to. <laughs> uh, I ask because. Um, the Masquerade Ball will be attending is indeed a hefty political event. People, uh, you may have in individual instances seen individual red feathers clambering for greater success, but this is ooh, a confluence of red feathers all trying to do the same thing. Uh, there is a almost like a gladiatorial arena. One red feather leaves with much bigger political accolades. Uh, than they would otherwise have, and uh, they'll do literally anything to get it. Anything. Gable, since you've managed to, in a previous life, make a reputation for yourself as a fixer, or maybe a cleaner, uh, maybe a return to that line of work, if only in advertising, might be the leg up we need to get us to... uh, Interact with a weak link in the chain. I'm happy to investigate some old friends. Captain, I do have a question. What What is our aim here? Oh. <laughs> uh, the, the kind of like, oh, and sigh from uh, Oromar is like somebody who has uh, stepped into a hot bath after a cold day. It is incredibly... <laughs> kind of like satisfied indulgent (laughs) Mm -hmm. i've considered a good 12 different ways we could go into that event and leave contented a uh tongue rungs across lips you've never seen him do that that's not like a thing that the body could do (laughs) while he was dead uh and this particular mannerism you you've never seen this man look hungry before because he could not be hungry (laughs) But in particular, there is something very delightful about being crowned prom queen. Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. I want to get things started off by thanking everyone who came out to see us for this year's Gen Con. I had so much fun doing all of my events and seeing people in person for the first time in a very long time. I want to give an extra special thank you to everybody who came to those events wearing a mask. I find it extremely heartening to see my fans showing care and courtesy to everyone around them by staying safe in public spaces. I had so much fun doing panels, playing Illimat, and performing for all of you. I actually can't wait to do it again. I also can't wait for everyone to hear the live show that we did at Gen Con. It will probably be upwards of six weeks before that actually hits the air, maybe even longer than that, but you will hear it, rest assured. I'll also take a moment to speak for Nathan Blades and thank everyone for giving them such a warm reception to the United States. This is a terrible place to be, but they met some lovely people. Before we get back to the episode, I want to point out to everyone that next week we are launching the Kickstarter for Skyjack's Courier's Call Season 3. 
Folks, Courier's Call is an amazing production. If you haven't checked it out yet, you should start right now. And if you have checked it out, you already know how special this show is, and you know that you need to help us make more of it. You can follow a link in our show notes to be notified as soon as the project goes live. You'll also be able to get updates about it by joining our mailing list over at bit.ly slash skyjackscrew. My newest publishing endeavor, the Ultimate RPG Campfire Cards, are now available everywhere books are sold. Folks, if you've got a role-playing game at home and you want to capture some of that Skyjack's magic, Campfire Cards will help you do that. It's a game accessory tool designed to help you foster character relationships. Those strong and deep relationships are a big part of what makes our show so special. And the Ultimate RPG Campfire Cards are designed to help you do that very quickly and have fun while you do it. You can pick those up at bit.ly slash ultimate campfire or bit.ly slash campfire RPG or wherever books are sold. As always, a huge thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon. A quick note for all of you. Patreon recently screwed up their billing system and it caused a lot of people to, to involuntarily be removed from certain Patreons. So if you support OneShot on Patreon, or really any other creators, you should double-check that you are still subscribed to them. I know we would really appreciate it if you did. Now then, a quick word from our sponsor. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. But in particular, there is something very delightful about being crowned prom queen. Ah! Gable gets up, the bird flies off their shoulders, <laughs> just like, I love it. I love an easy goal. I love just, hey, I want to have a good time and fuck shit up. That is reason enough. I'm so excited. I'm so stoked. This is, oh. I wouldn't necessarily oh, say it was easy <laughs> for the bro. I think the, the the amount of ruckus you make uh, wakes up um, Oromar's Griffin Hummingbird Principality Prince to all of you. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> it kind of like looks around the room, sees its <laughs> gable and is like... <sighs> Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Tough couple of years. If you... I love the idea of just like our first outing back is just an easy little, hey, why not? It doesn't have to be huge stakes, gods falling, <laughs> the queen and luminaries. It's just, we're going to a party. It's going to be great. We don't need to get too much done. Oh, oh. I, maybe I wasn't clear when I said being I was. I was like, queen. I feel like there's got to be a but <laughs> yes. or an uh, and. I, I, I say that as a euphemism for this uh, mm. large one gladiatorial political arena where one person is leaving with a surprising disproportion ah. of political power. I would like that. Ah, okay. All right. All right. All and right. then do something so, terrible I... and horrendous with it. 
So right. is there a an actual like ceremony that like are people is this an, an actual thing that people will be endowed with? Like you get more status, you get more XYZ, or is it just like an understood thing like, hey, this guy was the bell of the ball? Uh it is something to be uh compared to maybe a fusion between an election and an auction. It is not mm. just uh individual votes of famous and influential people. It is also money involved. Oh. After all, you yourself may not be a popular voice, but your pockets can do the talking for you if you are in such a position. Yeah, to to lay this out out of character, so we're all sure what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. We've established this as a semi-annual event. Uh, the masquerade itself might not be semi-annual, but semi-annually, there are important meetings that happen between high-ranking officials within the Red Feather Syndicate. And I imagine this is a fusion of like home office officials, people who are, their job is on the ground, whether it is at ports or uh within various cities or at an actual like physical red feather home compound uh, in or around Aram and actual captains, people who are out in charge of boats sailing across sphere. Um, the, because this happens semi-annually, like twice a year, we have to kind of infer that not all of the organization is at this event at the same time. There have to be like people still out running routes, making sure that the organization is like running smoothly. But there is like this coming together of different political forces that disperses and has an effect on the Red Feathers as a whole. Mm. So like as a GM, uh, without knowing anything about what you are about to establish about the event, a thing that I can assure you is you have both captains and admirals mm-hmm. here. You have like, uh, you know, presidents and executives and vice presidents that are probably here as well, um, running the operations on the ground. Uh, the event itself is probably fairly ostentatious. There's a lot of money. Um, to get everybody to a physical location where this event would be held, there are probably a lot of ships here as well. There's definitely a decent amount of security, but this is probably held on land or at a compound uh, that is completely controlled by the Red Feather Syndicate itself. So there's going to be security, but they're also assuming that the location itself is pretty secure. Mm-hmm. Um So there, this is a target-rich environment. There's a lot that you could do here. There's a lot that infiltrating this event could accomplish for the Uhuru. Mm. And I really do want you to target whatever it is uh, you think it Mm. would be fun to go after. I think I can specify here now. Thank you for that information. Uh, It's not just a a nominal accolade to this power Uh, from... Uh, what I've heard during my time in the Red Feathers, uh, because uh, once you reach a certain rank and level of fame, it's about what you know. Uh, there is a degree of information brokering, and uh, a lot of that has a physical record. Um, significant targets, bounties, debts, uh, a wide variety of names that they don't want to forget, all ceremoniously stored 
in one location and you're essentially as uh, uh, an elected champion of the event given a key it's ceremonial you can just send your secretary to go retrieve that information Uh, but i'd like to do something with that key okay so what it sounds like to me is that there is a committee decided at this event who is involved in the planning of like long-term red feather operations. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, maybe the meetings are held semi-annually, but the masquerade is like a bigger affair because it's like, hey, the five-year plan for the red feather syndicate. The the mm-hmm. people who are part of that are decided at this event, or certain things are decided at this event. So, getting in that room you kind of have a top-level view of Red Feather operations for the next five years. Mm-hmm. And this is why a large amount of money is thrown around as part of the election process, because people would pay absurd amounts of gold to get access, to even know somebody who has access to those records. Mm. Is there? Yeah, because then they know who to suck up yeah. to, you know? Exactly. Is there mm-hmm. any component mm-hmm. of this that like allows the 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 bell of the ball the top player to influence these like plans at all do they get to like direct folks i I, let's say that that is (laughs) here's what i'll give you i kind of think there is this social jockeying and positioning with the decision makers so you've got captains brought in for this and whatnot um All of them want to ostensibly be a part of this planning process at different levels. So you've got the masquerade event. And after the masquerade event, you kind of have like a meeting where these plans are laid out and delegated and whatnot. So you have this ball. The masquerade ball is where you try to make a social splash, try to build yourself up as a name. And then after the ball, there is the meeting where the agenda is set. So theoretically, if you could have a hand in that room, you decide the direction that the syndicate is going. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, finding a person on the inside that we could elect, I think, would be a bit of a fool's game. We could supply them with lots of gold and so on and so forth, but there's no regard that they would, in the end, trust a Corsair. However... Uh, he says, getting up and going over to the kind of like wardrobe in the captain's quarters. I do still happen to own official, uh, authentic red feather clothing. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not the smartest. I I was under the impression up until this point this was all metaphorical. Are you saying that you or Marvale in person? A plan to attend this ball. The captain they winks. <laughs> they know what you look like. And uh, of course, uh, I've uh, established enough of a reputation where my voice or my appearance might be recognised yeah, to a degree. Definitely. Uh, but fortunately, uh, working with the Red Feathers has given me uh, a surprisingly good ability to do an impression of their general patter. So yeah, in in a in a voice uh, in a very akin to a sorry to bother you style change into a uh, white boy voice. Uh, Tessa, I think that actually uh, I would be 
able to blend Whoa. in quite well. He <laughs> um, takes a he takes a, a nothing but a smile and uh, a dripping amount of obnoxiousness. John, John, it, like like I full bug eye, like what? Just go back to go back to Oromar. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> that was very good. Don't do very that well, again. It's fine. Until we have to. <laughs> well, uh, I'll, I'll keep it sparingly uh, for the circumstances, oh John Kessler. <laughs> oh, I. I am in full support of these motivations and these desires. I think the choice that we need to make soon, and maybe it's less of a choice and more of a discussion, is the crew is at a point. We've had about a year's full of very difficult months, somewhat existential threats. Mm-hmm. selling the idea of returning to basic piracy, I think may be a little bit of a challenge. Maybe not a challenge for the whole crew because they're devoted to the lifestyle and the, who is their home, but i that's something to consider and something to take in, take in a bit to consider how do we sell this to a crew that has uh, suffered so much in many ways. Very well. I, I, uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I can't assume that they would all be thinking of things the same way that I do. I would figure uh, going back to basics would be comforting to a degree. And for many, it may be. For many, this is what they signed up for, and it may be a relief. But we have anywhere from twelve to twelve hundred people on this ship. It's quite <laughs> quite a bit of uh, uh, to get a, a majority. What may take some doing. Yes. Uh well at the very least we are uh, this this is a this is an operation that will definitely happen in stages. Uh there is a, a decent amount of pre-work to be done before we step on site. Uh we clearly need to go and choose uh who will be going with us and who would be interested and invested in being on site. Um but then there's also a degree of uh, political work to be done in advance. After all, uh, for example, uh, Jameson Andrews is probably somebody we could immediately get on side with even a sliver of information of the thing that they craved. Oh, yeah. Even if uh, even if he's moved on, he's probably still interested in it. And I got the recipe mm. up here. We can dangle that carrot all day. <laughs> and I must say, once we step onto the premises, I will have to be something of an ineffectual puppet, you see. I have to look like I'm very easy to take advantage Ooh, of. This is going to be a ball full of dweebs, huh? <laughs> oh, they're all absolutely fucking insufferable. <laughs> we all like to play little games with each other, you see. It's all very... um. How to put it, Regency drama. Ugh. There's a lot of quiet backstabbing and fans across the mouth and all that, and turns around the garden. You would figure that a military campus wouldn't have a garden to have a turnaround, but sometimes they do manage to make it work. Oh, this is going to be, oh, it's going to be such, it's going to be tough. This is going to be tough for me. <laughs> there's, a bit of a, there's a bit of a wheezing and coughing, and he puts his hands on his knees. I, I can't maintain that for very long. It's, it's really annoying. It's really a, lot. <laughs> a question that I have mm-hmm. is, right now, the Uhuru has more cash on hand than it has ever had before um mm-hmm. has even even on top of what they've sold like spare feather weave has the position of like they're 
opponents thinking they're out of the picture, so perfectly positioned to strike in an unexpected way. And yes, you are you are uh, timeline-wise extremely close to when you know this event uh, could be going. And the thing that Oromara stated that that they're after is putting themselves in a position where they can grab some of the reins of the Red Feather Syndicate to steer their enemy astray. To me, that indicates that there is a plan that sits behind this immediate plan that like all of the things that Oromar has kind of been doing have been building up to to the thing that happens right after this. If you move the red feathers in the wrong direction, all of a sudden Oromar Vale holds the sovereign's crown, is a living man, is owed a hundred favors by the Tempest Armada, uh, or I guess 99 favors at this point because at least one of them was called in. Um, mm-hmm. uh it has their enemies like moving in the wrong direction. It feels like you're setting up something big. And as the GM, mm. I want to know what that is, because that is going to deter- determine what the crew is signing on board for, uh, even if you're not mm. revealing that at this specific juncture of time. I'm happy to discuss it through now. And this be part of the recording, because I think kind of steering the direction in a very open-faced way is quite interesting. I have a couple of ideas, and I'm very willing to kind of take on additional suggestions what people we should do with it. Initially, my headspace was kind of in the same way that, oh no, it would be so terrible if somebody got into the archives of everybody who owns student debt and just burned Mm. it all, and there was none Mm. left. Mm. Um, And it's just kind of like, you know, all of their records of... Uh, all of the wanted criminals that they wanted to kind of track down, all those bounties, all of those debts that they wanted to collect on communities, all of those plans that they wanted to kind of build resorts on indigenous land just kind of vanish into the air. It's all been destroyed. Um, but your um, raising of the fact that we could steer them to do something stupid and exploitable is very cool. Uh, I don't know what we would steer them to do, but the idea of directing them into a way where just other powers could go and pick them apart like vultures is very funny. Yeah, to me. I mean, like it, there is so much information that is being created or, or you know, uh, set in stone here. Like if 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 Oromar's plan. Like, there's so much that Ormar's plan could be. If Ormar's plan is just to mm. receive a copy or, or get away with a copy of the Red Feather agenda, then yeah, well, mm. working together with the Tempest Armada and whatnot, you could probably dismantle their operations in a devastating way over, over the course of mm. five years or something like that. Uh, physically, all of the ships that are here, you could probably fucking set fire to all of the ships that arrive at this event and set back uh, the syndicate in a significant way. I think Oromar has such a rare opportunity and has been such Mm -hmm. a planner. Uh, The thing that I, as your GM, want to know is if you all succeed, what what Mm. you think that success might look like? Because this is going to be a big challenge. No matter what you do, you're headed into a dangerous situation. You have a ton of resources that you have been building up over the course of the campaign that could allow you to do 
all of this stuff. But I, I want to know, are you putting your enemies in a vulnerable position? Are you gaining information on everything they're doing? Are you striking them hard while you're at this event? Are you finding another target? Like, there are a lot of things like the the board of directors, the CEO and whatnot of the mm-hmm. Red Feather Syndicate. I don't know if anybody knows who those people are, or where they are. Mm. You could find mm. them potentially at an event like this <laughs> or find the information that leads you to their location at this type of event. So I like to to know what your plan is, to know how dangerous it will be to carry it out. Like that's mm. what I'm looking for. Tyler had an idea. You, well, uh, you had I a, had um, over here just trying to think of like, oh, yeah, the the favors that we are owed. Um, there's a part mm-hmm. of me was like, all right, is if we want to influence Red Feather shit, is there anything to like changing up their like trade routes to like put mm-hmm. them like make like the the next trade route that's solidified and like will take x amount of years or months and deliberation to have changed sends them directly through like a like a a an ambush point that we can like call in favor after favor and it's just like all right take that ship mm. out take that ship out take that ship out um that feels like if we're trying to like steer them in a way that like will over time hurt them. That feels like an interesting mm. thing to do. Maybe even like, like we got 99 favors. How many ships are going to be like docked at this, uh, at this event? Like one favor per burn ship that like, we just like rattle off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. John, I, don't know. I, I would like to get an intellect check from you. Um, how, It looks like your yeah dice. Uh, It looks like your intellect here is four. Uh Um, You can make spends to uh, increase on that. Uh, Spending two would add another die to your die pool, and Mm -hmm. spending one will upgrade an existing die. Um, I I have the 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 challenge, the general challenge here of of that check and whatnot. but yeah, I want to know how much you know about Red Feather politics and operations. I imagine you probably learned whatever you know from Douglas Kessler. Yeah. So what I am going to do is say automatically you're going to have a relationship die uh, added on to this. Um, that'll be a D8 with the, the Kessler family. Um, but – uh, apart from that, I want to know how much you're putting into this intellect role. Uh, I, I have your challenge set up here, so it, it's all on you. Right now, you have one D8-sized die yep. to roll. Ooh, uh, you could add mm. a D6 to that pool um, mm. by spending two points of intellect. You could also um, upgrade your D8 to a D12 by adding one to that pool. Your pool is also going to include a relationship die at a D8 that will work in your favor on your side because it's based on the information that you got from your father based on his experiences with uh, his time in the Red Feathers and your mother's time in the Red Feathers. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and say I will upgrade um, the D8 to a D12. Excellent. Yeah, so roll, roll a D8 and a D12 and, and tell me what you got. 
8 and a 12. Bloop. And roll. Ah, God damn it. <laughs> hey, you get 15. A, what did you get on the 12th? Oh, uh, on the 12, I got a 7. On the okay. 8, I got an 8. Okay. Seven's good on the yeah, 12. That's that's really good positioning on the 12, and especially against which I rolled. Um, what, what did you say you got on the 8? An 8. An 8? Okay. Mm. Let's see here. Relationship die. All right. So this is an interesting result. So you have overall three successes. I I rolled a um, complication and a transformation. So what is happening in this moment? Jonnet is reflecting back on the things that his father said about the Red Feather Syndicate when they were growing up. And you're, I think, now incorporating the new knowledge that your mother flew with the syndicate for a while and eventually became a Corsair because she she was she was forced to by circumstance part of what tore you apart from your family is how your mother expected the syndicate to treat her after having lost her ship to Oromar Vale mm-hmm. in a skirmish and as part of why she cut contact so you also got a transformation uh result which this isn't going to happen immediately but i am going to add a check onto a checkbox under kessler family you you have a stable relationship uh but one of your results uh is is going to tick towards transform so in the realization that you're about to have, in the information that you're about to get from this role, something about this is going to cause you to b- take one step on the way to fundamentally reassessing your relationship with your family as you see it now. You will see them in different ways mm-hmm. because you've finally taken all this information, put it together, and distilled it in a way that makes you go, huh, or oh, weird. But you have three successes for this role. So this is an incredible role. I think through the the ranting and, and moaning that your father has done about the Red Feather Syndicate uh, over a prolonged period of time, you've realized a bunch of things. An organization that operates at this level is very slow to adapt to change. And any change that happens within the syndicate, somebody is attaching their name to even if it is correcting a problem, that person knows that on a certain level, they will be blamed for the problem itself when correcting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the I thing that I think Jonnet knows is if it is clear that a plan is not working, the Red Feather Syndicate is going to be so slow to adapt to correcting it. And nobody is going to want to take on the we have to redo all of our routes because they they keep getting hit and we keep being outmaneuvered. Mm. Like, it, you, you know that. You know that for a fact because of all of the things that your dad has said when, when you were growing up. There is a threat here, uh, which I think Jonnet might be looking at this situation like overly optimistically. Um, something about his youth is kind of blinding him to the realities of, of certain things involved here. 
but like you are kind of reckoning with the fact that you are about to exploit all of the institutional weaknesses that led to your family uh, getting driven apart a little bit. Um, maybe maybe that's the threat. The threat is Jonnet realizes in thinking through all of this that there is this major um, vulnerability within the Red Feather Syndicate that if you put their plans in the wrong direction, they will be slow to correct that mistake. And there's a lot of benefits that they can be recouped from that. However, you know that your family was torn apart because of the way the Red Feathers deal with certain things. And in doing this, you are going to put other people in that position, even if those people are Red Feather captains who are your enemies who would see you dead. Mm. And there is a moral complication that you have there. Oh, ruining somebody's lives in many, many ways at once. Yeah, yeah I feel like there's... If we if we re if we redraw their trade routes, that means we need to we need to give them a destination. We need to put set them on the course of like like they're going somewhere that they haven't necessarily been before. We get to control that, but that means that wherever we send them to is suddenly going to have a main line of like red feathers coming to their homes, which is going to upend probably an entire like towns like mm. way of living because now they have to deal with like these bullies coming through that are probably if the ones that do make it to these this new town will be like battered bruised like their egos will be scarred and they'll probably be lashing out like to like the the port and so i feel like there's like a very dangerous there's something very dangerous in like a a beaten red feather where mm. like they punch mm -hmm. down like yeah. and i feel like mm -hmm. so we'll be able to hit them hard but like there will be we have to essentially like pick a location that will like absorb the fall off of us hitting them yeah mm -hmm. what if we convince them that the sea was safe Scotty Jackson. Next entry dated seven days after that. It's been a week. No one misses Axelai Loan Petrov. Least of all me. I'm better than he was. In all ways that matter. Pages flip again. We find an entry dated two years later. Dull. There is nothing left in still flesh. I have moved my attention to working with meat that still lives. Taking something apart and putting something together are not so different. The pieces can be carved to fit. It is only meat, after all. People say that my cures are miraculous. There is something vital, something essential within human bodies— the church says it came from the sovereign, but he is gone. 
There has to be more to it. There must be. And I must know. The next entry is on the next page, dated 18 months later. It's so clear to me now. A stranger came to town yesterday. We get few travelers. Fewer still that have the church's mark of excommunication branded on their faces. And he walked into the shop. We talked. I think it is difficult to remember anything but the feather. Oh, the feather. It shone like sunlight, like gold. He gave it to me. I listened to what he was really saying beyond his words. There was music in his blood. Now the song I hear is deeper, more vital. I look around the shop now, the door locked, the windows shaded, and it all means so little to me. Not when blood sings such reveries. When the eye opened Both of mine beheld the truth. Sphere is a body. It has all the mechanisms of life. Rivers flow as blood. Winds move as breath. Stone rests like bone. It's all right there. No one else can see. No one else can hear. The feather is missing, but not gone. I feel a thrum of power inside me. Just a bare, small thing. It's there, nevertheless. I know that I can build this power. The world is a body. Could it not be taken apart, used, consumed in the same way that we consume flesh? I have to know. I must know. Someone else can have the shop, both sides of it. The entire village of Borsia can burn for all I care. I have to know. I can't learn it here. Someone else can deal with a stranger's body. Maybe it will feed the hungry, like fathers did. The page continues on to writing that is barely legible, let alone coherent. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Tyler is on strike alongside his fellow members of the WGA and SAG-AFTRA. You can support Tyler and other striking artists by contributing to the Entertainment Community Fund, linked in our show notes. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at LizAnderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at PhantomArtsENT, or streaming at twitch.tv slash TheNeonCaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him over on Twitter at Arnie Parrott. 
or on his website, ATP Tunes. This episode was edited by Allie Grauer, who can be found on Twitter at Dreams to Become, or on her podcast, Skyjack's Courier's Call. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Lunarum. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show was made in part by using a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals. There are no kings. Take flight. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends near to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.